If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. For those of you who want to watch the program live or on demand, as I give my patented thumbs up at the beginning of the program, I appreciate you joining us no matter where you're listening. And I know, look, you may listen uh, to the show as a podcast on iTunes. That's fantastic. By the way, if you're one of those folks, I encourage you to rate and review the podcast. That helps us in our efforts to reach and grow, uh, reach more people, grow the show with the patented conservative, not bitter message. If you're listening on Freedom 95, Indianapolis, welcome you to the program as well. I understand yesterday we had a bit of a technical problem for the first half of the program and um, apologize for that. And then we've uh, got folks on KYAH in Utah joining us as well. No matter where you're listening, how you listen, it's good to have you. Thank you for joining us. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like a lot of folks watch these uh, briefings that the president and the coronavirus uh, task force are giving daily now, sometimes I think even a couple of times a day. I think I saw at least once or twice maybe recently where they're doing something around noon and then doing something in the evening. Sometimes they pick one or the other, um, but they're they're informational, right? There's um, a lot of information going on. In fact, if you watch last night's briefing, you would have seen Trump um, take a somber, somber stance and approach, telling telling Americans these next couple weeks are going to be really, really hard because of what's happening uh, with with coronavirus. What's what's happening with um, the number of infections, and we begin to see mortality. Um, we begin to see more deaths. We begin to see more deaths in in coronavirus um, here in the next couple of weeks. And so they've been talking about the numbers, the projections. They've been talking about how we can still flatten flatten this curve, how we can still keep mortality rates down. They compared the graphs 
the graphs of different states and how the virus has hit different states differently. New York and New Jersey have seen a uh, their their rates increase dramatically, and we, of course we we know about the problems in New York City. And Governor Cuomo and the federal government are working to mitigate that as best as possible in that very highly populated region of the country where lots of people uh, come and go. There's a lot, a lot of folks. Um, there's a lot of people that travel through New York, so it's it's kind of um, as Dr. Fauci said yesterday. It's it it, it kind of is a perfect storm in the sense of how it makes itself, I guess, uh, possible to be a coronavirus hotspot because of these other factors, the population density, the amount of traveling going through New York. It's a hub for transportation, even for folks that come from all parts around the country and the world. And so there's, um, there's this it's it's a higher there's a higher likelihood for something like this to happen there than perhaps elsewhere. Of course, what happens in other states matter as well. But they compared this chart, and they showed two states that had a major upswing, a vertical, um, a highly you know, vertical portion of of the the curve, if you will, and the other forty eight states and the District of Columbia were were still at the bottom. But that you know what happens. In those states, depends upon how the virus spreads, and part of that depends upon listening to the doctors and what they're telling us to do. Depends upon what we do individually, how our governors, how our states mitigate and manage these circumstances as well. So it was a a somber meeting, but again, the the, the doctors, Doctor Burks, Doctor Fauci. Both seemed relatively optimistic that we could still uh, keep mortality rates down so that we won't see numbers in the 100,000 range. Now I'm, I'm seeing now um, that there's estimates between 100,000 and 240,000, 240,000 deaths. This is of uh, from an article from AP yesterday, White House projects 100,000 to 240,000 deaths from virus uh, from the virus. So that has been changed. Uh, the 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 upper echelon of that number has bumped up from 200 to 240,000. So a lot of this is, remains to be seen, and again, it should be our you know objective here as the doctors were and as Trump is, uh, cautiously optimistic, hopeful that we can keep these numbers down. They are effectively pleading with Americans to follow the social distancing guidelines so as to flatten this curve and to keep fewer uh, mortalities, keep the, the, the number of mortalities, infections, hospitalizations, uh, ne- the, the needs for ventilators, all of those things down. So that's the the context. I, I want to s- explain something that happened in this pre- this briefing. If you did not see it, if you did not see it, I made a comment a couple of days ago where where is um, 
Jim Acosta, CNN, he's, he's popped his head up, and he's popped his head up in a couple of ways. And I'm telling you, this guy, this guy, you know we're conservative, not bitter, but that is, the, the conservative, not bitter, all that means, I don't say all that means because I don't want to gloss over that. It, it means important things. We, we believe in the ideas of constitutional conservatism, and I'm not bitter towards those who don't. I'm open to discussing with them the rationale, the reasons, the history, the philosophy, the worldview that leads us to the ideas of constitutional conservatism. Bear with me here for a moment. Had to get a drink. So as I'm that's that you know if someone has questions heck even if someone wants to have a have a debate a lively discussion I'm fine with that I, this isn't personal to me this is not personal to me now that's that's in dealing with normal everyday Americans and people that you know you work with and your family that live across the street along comes someone like Jim Acosta and let me say this Jim Acosta in my opinion in my opinion, is Trump's absolutely right. He is a atrocious journalist. This guy, this guy dreams up questions solely for the purpose. I, not, not all the time, but I'm telling you there's a portion of the time this guy dreams up questions that are designed to do nothing besides harm the president of the United States. It doesn't matter anything else going on. This guy, I don't know if he just wants... Uh, if, if he feels like he's a, a martyr when Trump goes after him, if he wants to promote that to his followers, whoever those folks might be, I don't know if he dislikes the attention. I don't know if he's fueled by so much hatred of this president that this is this is just how he thinks. I don't know if this is just who this guy is. I don't I don't know. But these these questions and the it, it, every day this happens. Something like this. And so there's a exchange, which I want to play here. I want to play here between Trump and Jim Acosta. And I want you to listen to this. Now, keep in mind, he asked Trump, <laughs> he asked Trump now, basically, if fewer people would have died had we taken social distancing measures sooner, back when China was. Now, you might remember, you might remember, number one, Number one, when Trump took action to stop travel from China, he was criticized. In fact, I just read a tweet from Schumer yesterday. Not, it wasn't sent yesterday, but I was just reading different things, and I came across a tweet from Chuck Schumer, leader, uh, minority leader in the Senate. His tweet came out and said, President Trump effectively doesn't need to be taking these actions against against China. This is not necessary. It's an... I don't know if he used the word overreaction, but it wasn't necessary. So that was at the end of January. So Jim Acosta is now, and others like, and I'm not saying Jim Acosta said this because I don't follow everything Jim Acosta says, but I put all these people in, not all of them, but there's a group of people in that press, you know, uh, in, in the press there, in the media, White House correspondents, that their, their entire uh, objective is to harm this this president politically. And so at first, at first people that thought like that said President Trump was xenophobic for the travel ban, President Trump was doing something not necessary, this might hurt the economy. I saw Chuck Todd 
Someone showed a clip of that recently. I saw it somewhere online, I think yesterday. Chuck Todd was all worried about the Chinese economy from coronavirus, but now we're not supposed to pay any attention to ours, and I think we got to look at this as, as I've said before, there's there's multiple sides to this, and one side of this is truly the economy. doesn't mean that you ignore or place it above the lives and health and safety of other people. It just means that it's another factor that you got to think about and be concerned with as well, because as we've seen from Italy, by the way, Italy, they're now concerned about rioting, uh, rioting and looting as this takes its, uh, you know, moves into the southern part of the nation because people there are hurt economically. And so now there's other factors, and I'm not predicting that's going to happen here, but in worst case scenarios, which is what we've been, uh, a lot of folks have been predicting from the beginning, in worst case scenarios, this is certainly part of the equation. There's the the number of infections, hospitalizations, hospitals get run over, everything's shut down, no one can go to their jobs effectively, people lose income, they become unemployed, supplies are hard to get, food at some point. I mean, anyway, th- this is this is a part of the equation that has to be considered as well, but all that stuff, none of that stuff matters to the media unless it politically harms Donald J. Trump. And so I got to take a break here. But when we get back, I want you to hear this exchange. It's it's a longer exchange, and I'm going to play parts of it, and then we're going to talk about it, and we're going to play some of the rest of it. But it starts with Trump uh, responding. He lets Dr. Fauci respond as, as well. Dr. Burks comes up and says some things about trying to, to keep the curve down. But this whole premise here, now they're asking Trump if he didn't act he didn't act early enough. You know, I find myself look, there is a time, a time and a place to do all this analysis. There really is. It's just not it's not in the midst of this. Right now our attention should be what's going on and how can we how can we have a positive impact on that now? What is the administration trying to do? Are there obstacles? Are there hurdles? Um, are these companies that you've brought into the mix helping with supplies? Are those getting out yet? There's a time to assign blame. There's a time to analyze what happened, but that's not in the midst. That's not in the midst of the crisis, unless you have another objective here, which I contend that Jim Acosta does. But this is this, in my mind, is is truly reprehensible. Truly reprehensible. But he actually he's backed the date up so far that of where Trump should have been taking social distancing measures that he's bumped into impeachment on the backside. Yes, if you remember, we were going through impeachment. Impeachment when Trump should have been taking some of these social distancing measures, according to Jim Acosta, even though he shouldn't have banned, I guess, travel from China. Anyway, I want you to listen to this, but I think Jim Acosta has missed the memo. At least where I am, at least where I am, at least from other people that I've heard about, heard from. People are, I think in a lot of ways, they've put political differences aside. Maybe they still can't talk directly about it. Maybe someone can't mention the name of Trump, but we don't have to right now. I think Jim Acosta's missed the message here. People, people have put politics, the people that I know, the people that I have seen, interacted with, a lot of people are putting politics aside, and as they should. 
as they should. I want Governor Cuomo in the state of New York to succeed. I have I don't care that because he's a Democrat that he should somehow see massive numbers of infections and so forth. That is that's an atrocious human being that cheers for that kind of stuff. And they are out there, folks. They are out there, but the vast majority vast majority of the American people are looking past politics, and Jim Acosta simply hasn't gotten the memo. And I want to share this exchange with you when we get back because this is, in my opinion, just some very sick thinking. It's another reason why it's another reason why Trump is right to call him very fake news, Jim Acosta. But we'll play this when we get back. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Okay, so now I want to play some of this. I want to play this again. Jim Acosta questioning President Trump last night at the press what briefing or whatever they call this, these updates. By the way, I read somewhere else. I didn't see this in real time, but I did see that – is it CNN – one of these, maybe it was CNN, some of the, the cable news outlets are not, yeah, media members skip Trump briefings um, because of little little news, it says here in this cron.com article, because of little news, much risk to their health. I don't know what little news they're talking about. I feel like what was covered yesterday was pretty darn important if you're asking me. But then again, I guess it depends on what your definition of news is and what your definition of important is and whether or not you think there's an opportunity to demonize the people on stage. Anyway, so we've got President Trump. Let me pull the right soundbite up here. President Trump fielding. Here we go. Fielding questions from Jim Acosta, very fake news, Jim Acosta yesterday, and I want you to listen to this. Of course, now it's not going to cooperate. Bear with me. But this this is the sort of thing that Jim Acosta has become uh, known for, in my opinion. He sits there and he dreams up these questions, trying to peg President Trump, trying to get a headline, a soundbite. Yes, Here it is. This may be an uncomfortable question, but what would the models have looked like that Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci showed us if we had started the social distancing guidelines sooner in February or January when China, South Korea were uh, doing those sorts of things? Well, I'm going to let that, I'm going to let that answer that. In yeah. terms of what information we're getting from them, but if we had started these practices sooner, could these models be different? Right yeah, now? I'm going to let them answer the question, but remember this, and again, I say it. And everybody says it. You know who says it better than anybody is Dr. Fauci. I had a decision to make. Maybe it was my biggest decision. China was heavily infected. And thousands and thousands of people were coming from China to the United States. And against the wishes, not even wishes, but they disagreed with the decision, I made a decision to stop China from coming in. Took a lot of heat, even from China. They weren't exactly happy. I just made a trade deal. A big one, $250 billion trade deal, and I'm 
shortly thereafter saying you can't come into our country. That was a big decision. That was earlier than the date you're talking about. So that was a big decision. That was probably, and by the way, not because I did it, that was probably the biggest decision we made so far. But if you look at the one graph, the problem New York has is New York started late, but the other ones didn't start so late. Now, New York is also more complicated because, you know, for obvious reasons, but it got a late start. But do you want to maybe answer those questions? I don't know. Okay, so that's that's Trump's response. So Trump Trump deals with Jim Acosta. And by the way, he didn't jump Jim Acosta, as I believe. Um, in, well, I feel like this had the, the makings of that. Trump stayed very, very calm, very methodical. Again, the feeling of this whole thing was was one of, hey, America, we have the next couple of weeks are going to be really, really tough. You're going to see a lot of things in the news. You're going to see people uh, who are succumbing to the coronavirus. It's going to be the highest number of deaths that we have seen so far, and that's going to trend upward here for the next, well, for the foreseeable future. So he doesn't he doesn't jump jump Jim Acosta, even though he knows, even though he knows what Jim Acosta wants is a headline, a soundbite. Trump admits. Trump admits that his hesitation in acting cost more American lives. That's all Jim Acosta wants here. Again, there's a time and a place for this, and the president should have to answer questions. Absolutely. But it's not in the midst of this crisis, folks. This is what good does this do at this particular point? The effort should be put. And I understand we've got a free press. Jim Acosta can ask whatever he wants. I'm not saying he shouldn't be allowed. I'm just saying he should use his freedom as a journalist his choice as a journalist to make better choices. That's what he should do. This is stupid stuff. This is unnecessary stuff at this point. But now Trump calls up one of the two doctors. I think Dr. Burks comes up first. Here's how she responds to this. Some of this might be hard Go back to, to slide two. follow because she's referencing slides. I wanted to explain slides. two things um, that I think is really important because we had a lot of questions about mortality and what it meant. Okay, so you see this confidence interval? So here's the, the line. This is the confidence interval. This is where we have the ability to push it down. So you have a large confidence interval around the line. And so we're trying to move that gray down tighter and below the dotted line. So I think that's really important. And so pause. So she's referencing a chart. It's, it's got the projected path where it peaks in, in, in deaths, and then it has a, a gradual – it has a tail. It's not – it doesn't go – it doesn't take an upward trajectory, and then it doesn't mirror that trajectory on the backside. It's not – um, it's not something that's, you know, you can split in half and it's mirrored. It actually goes up steeply, it peaks, and then it uh, trails off at a lower uh, a lower slope. It's not as steep on the downward trajectory. So there's the line, the projection, and then there's a, a blue kind of, uh, it, it's got blue coloring, kind of the lines in the middle. So it's basically saying this line can fluctuate anywhere within this blue area. But if you look, the blue, the area of fluctuation is only it, – it's not on the front side of this line, and that's what they're talking about. We, Of course, we know what it is because we've already had it, but the main areas of fluctuation come from how 
come from where we can make this graph, the top of this line, stop. The number of deaths, Once, if we can press that down, what we're actually doing is moving everything in a downward trajectory, which is, which is good. And so she's basically telling him, we're not even to that point yet, Jim. We're not there yet. So you'll notice there's blue around this. The, the biggest area uh, of uncertainty is where the peak is. And so this is what we're trying to affect here. This is what we're trying to impact and influence. And so going back in time and saying if we would have started sooner um, doesn't really affect anything we're doing here. Besides, we don't have data. She goes on to say that as well. Anyway, more on this. More on this. I think this is important. Jim Acosta has not gotten the memo, not gotten the memo that Americans are on the same page here, regardless of political party. They've put politics on the back burner, except for some, some in the extreme radical wings. Uh, but Americans just want to solve this crisis. As I said before, I'm rooting as much for Governor Cuomo as I am for President Trump, as I am for, I don't care what the political party of the governor of a state is right now we're wanting success in all states in all cities around this country regardless of party and jim acosta is out there just fishing for a headline that says or a soundbite where trump says yeah i messed up and i caused more americans to die reprehensible if you ask me but i've got to take a time out you're listening to the home of conservative not bitter talk where listening can in fact cause you to lean to the right so listen with caution If you're operating heavy machinery, driving a car today, be careful. It can cause you to truly veer to the right. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. Going through this clip, this discussion Jim Acosta had. Well, the Trump team had, or how do you want to say this with Jim Acosta? Again, it's truly reprehensible here, in my estimation, what happened. The way that Jim Acosta goes, goes through this, focusing on the politics of this, instead of, instead of focusing on what really matters here, which is what we do next, how we navigate this. I think Americans are now more inclined to work together than they have been since Trump has taken has taken office. And so I think that this is it, it's it's another example of a just a sad political stunt by a candidly a sad journalist, if you want to call him that. So he's talking or Dr. Burks now has walked up onto the 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 stage and is explaining where I stopped this. She's explaining uh, the graph to Jim Acosta, explaining to him where the the greatest impact can be had on the curve, which is where we are now, and we're trying to keep that curve that curve down. So she continues to explain and answer this question in ways that Jim Acosta does not want to hear, because what Jim Acosta wants to hear is, yes, because we delayed more people lost their lives, which is sad and reprehensible. But here's how this continues to play out. And so we're trying to move that gray down tighter and below the dotted line. So I think that's really important. And then if you can go to the next slide. 
So we really can't answer your question until we can get antibody testing out there. Because what we can't tell you is in, and we can always do this, there's always samples in hospitals and other things. It's the way we really defined the HIV epidemic in the United States. We were able to go back to blood samples when we had the test and really find out where it was and what was going on. We really need to look in here and really see was there virus significantly circulating in early March and in late February? And so, so to spell that out to Jim Acosta, Jim, unless there was virus going around in the time frame you're talking about, which we have no data yet, we have no data yet to to, to know that definitively. Unless there was virus, um, you know what else? I mean, should we just be on a perpetual? cycle of social distancing i mean this this could change things the way that we live our lives moving forward there could be all sorts of changes from this and how you know how this spreads and the social distancing measures that we've taken there could be changes from this but prior to this happening americans lived their lives as americans lived as we lived our lives and that what would we have been social distancing from i mean it makes no sense on the one hand for the media and for Democrats to criticize the president for blocking travel from places where this disease was prevalent at the time, but then at the same time say we want you to practice social distancing. Social distancing from what? We don't, we don't even know that we have it here yet. Of course, we know what happens when there's additional measures, social distancing taken to larger degrees. It affects it affects the economy. People lose jobs. You know, if you can't go to work and people don't come to your stores and all this sort of stuff. So anyway, she's trying to explain this to Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta, I don't think cares. He's looking for the headline. He's waiting for her to say, yes, we really royally screwed this thing up. So she continues with Jim. Did it look like and where was it? And was it all in the metro areas? And I think that's what Dr. Fauci and I are very, very focused on is getting serology testing out there. So that's what she's she's trying to say. Look, this is this is where we are. This is how we're handling this. We're trying to figure this stuff out. We'll get you an answer at a later date. But right now, we can't tell you, Jim, and I can't give you your soundbite, your headline either. So this continues. Oh. Um, and really have those samples to be able to do that. Um, Did you understand the, the painful part of my question? And, and please, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, we understand, but, but, but we can't answer it to you. Saying if we had started this sooner, we might not have 100,000 to 200,000 Americans dying. Well, that makes an assumption that it was here. There was a lot back here that we didn't see. Um, And until we had the antibody test, I can't really answer that. Fauci's going to walk up here and deal with this. Good. Dr. Burks was saying if there was no virus in the background, there was nothing to mitigate. If there was virus there that we didn't know about, then the answer to your question is probably yes. Now, the only trouble with that is that whenever you come out and say something like that, it always becomes almost a soundbite that gets taken out of context. It does become But I think that. it's very important what Dr. Burks has said, is that if there was covert infections here that we didn't know about, and we didn't mitigate them, that they would have made a difference. If there was virtually nothing there, then there's nothing to mitigate. And I, I don't know the answer but to your question. Early. But we were watching uh, yeah. South Korea, excuse me, in China and Italy, 
and we weren't taking right. action right. when those countries yeah. were right. spiking. Sure. In a perfect world, it would have been nice to know what was going on there. We didn't, but I believe, Jim, that we, we acted very, very early in that. We acted very, very early in that is what Fauci says. Jim Acosta left disappointed there for not getting the soundbite and headline that he desires. Again, I just think atrocious, reprehensible journalism here. Let's focus on what needs to be figured out, what we've learned, how we move together as a country, how we solve these, uh, this, this crisis, how we deal with this. And then, yes, there's a time and place for these questions, but not in the midst of this. This is an example of why Trump calls the CNN fake news while he calls – why he calls Jim Acosta fake news, very fake news, Jim Acosta. He's wanting a sensational soundbite here. He's wanting an admission of fault by the administration. He's wanting to put this in an article or go out there on his uh, one of his briefings on CNN to tell his listeners that Trump admitted, yes, I am the reason that this many tens of thousands of Americans had died. And this is just sickening in my estimation. I don't care who this president is. Care who a governor is. It's not. This isn't fair to Cuomo. Anyway, reprehensible stuff from a a guy that's proven he's not afraid to get down into the mud and continue to carry the political mantle for the Democrat Party, no matter where what is going on, where he is. No concern about any of that. I've got to be concerned here with the time. Oz has notified me here. It is time to take a break, and I will. I will do so. Uh, when we get back, I want to shift gears just a tad bit, get into another portion of this discussion regarding uh, timelines and so forth with the coronavirus response, which actually backs us back into the impeachment timeline, which Trump addressed yesterday as well. So let's stop and take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So the other thing that happened that I think I guess a little noteworthy um, yesterday in this press conference surrounds the issue of of impeachment because what Jim Acosta has done, whether he knows it or not, whether he knows it or not, um, he has backed up the timeline to. The point in time in this great nation where Trump was facing impeachment charges, impeachment charges from the Democrats, right, from the House Democrats. Remember when they took that, uh, those articles of impeachment, Adam Schiff and the other pallbearers walked across the Capitol grounds, somber looks on their faces, walking as though they're truly carrying um, a casket, of course, of course, a few days earlier, a few days earlier, there were cheers. Remember Nancy Pelosi snapped her finger at Democrats. You're not supposed to cheer about this impeachment. This is supposed to be a somber event. We're supposed to show the American people that we do not, that we do not have um, any joy in sending these articles of impeachment over to the Senate to charge the president. This is somber. I've been on the media, Nancy Pelosi says. I've been out in the media talking about how sad and I cry myself to sleep at night, all this sort of stuff. You can't be in here cheering, though. We, we save the cheering for what happens behind closed doors, right? And she's out there getting 
Remember these uh, promotional pins for the signing of the impeachment uh, order or the uh, in, in impeachment findings as she sent those over to Trump, the articles of impeachment as she sent those, sent those to the Senate, I should say. So that's when this whole thing really started. That's when Jim McCoss is asking the president, do you wish that you would have acted earlier? The president says we did act early. Another thing that comes up, and I don't know if I'm going to have time to play the soundbite, but effectively, now because we've backed up into that timeline, that time frame, now Trump's being asked, do you think effectively that you're, um, you're dealing with impeachment articles, the articles of impeachment, uh, and impacted your ability to respond to this crisis? And Trump says, no. No, it hasn't. But I think... Shouldn't this question be asked? Shouldn't these, this question be asked of House Democrats? Shouldn't this question be asked be, of them? Because aren't they the ones? Aren't they the ones who have pushed us in the direction of impeachment for purely political motivations? Aren't they the ones? Aren't they the ones that have been seeking impeachment since the day President Trump sought office? Actually, you could say the eleventh day where they came out and publicly publicly started cheering for impeachment. But if they started on day 11, they really started on, on day zero because it, that takes time and strategy. And they've, they've been seeking this since the time they dried their eyes and their Play-Doh dried up and they ran out of pages in their adult coloring books after the election of 2016. They've been cheering for this stuff. So isn't the question really, shouldn't it be really asked of the Democrats? Is it... Was your political shenanigans and show worth worth possibly creating uh, turmoil to where maybe information wasn't uh, as received? Maybe maybe uh, reporting wasn't done enough on this because we were incessantly focused on impeachment. Do you think that there's any consequences? Any consequences of your actions? Again, I think that there's a time and place for this, and it's it's not in the midst of a crisis. But I'm simply saying if they're asking the president this, aren't these fair questions to ask for those who push for articles of impeachment? Was it worth making this uh, the issue that the administration had to focus on when they had other pressing things to to address? I mean, even though it's a massive, massive team, the, the administrative branch of our government, even though it's the, the chief executive, executive branch, even though there's lots of people in there, I mean, if, if you're focused on defending yourselves on phony, from phony allegations and so forth, silliness in the, that came from the House of Representatives, that certainly has an impact on, on operations elsewhere. It's a fair question to ask at some point, just not today, and I don't know why it's being asked of President Trump. What should he have just said, I'm guilty, take me out of the office? What would have happened then? Who would have been responding then? It's just ironic to me, the questions that Trump gets asked. The Democrats can do whatever they want without any consequence whatsoever. Jim Acosta, one of the chief uh, problems that we have in the media, and it's he's the reason, candidly, why Trump calls them the fake news. Got to wrap up here this segment. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
wrap up here this first hour. We'll continue talking about where we stand with coronavirus. I got some other things I want to get to as well as we get into the second hour, which begins here in the next, uh, what, the next five or six minutes or so. But anyway, the way that we, again, Jim McCasa, free to ask whatever question he wants. I want to be on record for saying that. The, The press should be free. I'm simply saying can and should are not synonymous. He can ask whatever he wants, but I think basic decency and a lack of a political axe to grind would lead one to ask different questions. In other words, if he didn't have a political motivation, I think he would handle these things much differently. He wants to harm the president. He wants a soundbite as Jim Fauci. Dr. Fauci pointed out exactly what Acosta was looking for there. It's just reprehensible. It truly is. So anyway, we got a long ways to go with this coronavirus. Um, More on this after the top of the hour. Thanks for listening. SDG. See you in a few.